0: Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. In this week's market update, stock markets continue to readjust to the new higher for longer environment and it's a big week for central banks. Well, it's been another tough week for equity investors. The reset that began in the summer continues and while shares are still well above the low they reached last October, they're also well below their level when the post-pandemic rally ended at the end of 2021. Having fallen by more than 10% since the July peak, the US market has fallen into the generally accepted definition of a correction Two years ago, the S&P 500 peaked at 4,819. It then bottomed out a year ago at 3,492 and then rallied to 4,607 by the end of July this year within striking distance of a new high. It ended last week at 4,104, bang in the middle of the range. Shares have been drifting lower for three months now. It is in fact now becoming increasingly difficult to argue that a new bull market began last October. Rather, we look to be in the middle of a long period of readjustment to a new era of higher for longer interest rates. If you look beyond the market cap-weighted S&P 500 to the equal-weighted version that's less affected by the performance of the so-called Magnificent Seven tech stocks, the picture looks even less like a bull market This measure has basically gone sideways for three years now, since investors moved on from the pandemic plunge and recovery in 2020 and 21. And if you look at small cap stocks, which tend to be more economically sensitive, shares have actually been falling for two and a half years. And they're testing the highs that were reached in the years running up to the pandemic. If you strip out the one-off impact of the pandemic and step back to look at the longer term picture, It's possible to argue that shares are starting to reverse their gains made during the zero interest rate era that followed the financial crisis. They're readjusting to a new phase of higher government spending, higher inflation, and so higher interest rates. That's a big shift in mindset for investors and raises questions about what is the right valuation for shares in that environment. Unsurprisingly, the ratio of price to earnings in the market has fallen back a long way from the peak level two years ago. At the peak of the post-pandemic rally, US shares traded on around 29 times expected earnings, which was always very stretched. At last year's low point, the ratio had fallen back to 16. It then added around five points during the rally from October to July and has now fallen back into the teens again. So valuations are still quite high, but they're getting back towards reasonable levels. What counts now is what happens to earnings. If they grow as forecast, then that valuation will become ever more sensible and the market can stabilise. But it's a big if ahead of what still looks like an interest rate driven slowdown and possible recession. At the moment, the market is expecting growth in earnings of around 12% both next year and in 2025. When you consider that earnings will probably only have fallen by around 3% this year after a big rally last year, that would be a benign outcome, very much a soft landing. So it would be unwise to count on things turning out this positive, but it is possible. The current earnings season has seen around three quarters of companies reporting better than expected numbers, despite a few high profile tech disappointments last week. Turning to this week, the focus is all on central banks, with the Fed, Bank of England and Bank of Japan all announcing interest rate decisions. As ever, the most important of these is the US central bank's decision on Wednesday evening. Comments from Fed Chair Jay Powell, just ahead of the blackout that always precedes a rate decision, pointed quite clearly to no change in rates. Powell said that the Fed would proceed carefully with its future monetary policy decisions thanks to the tricky balance of risks it's currently weighing up. Inflation remains higher than the Fed wants, but it's also clear that the full impact of the last 18 months of aggressive rate hikes has not yet been fully felt. And Powell knows that there is a danger that the Fed squeezes too hard. That now looks just as likely as it not squeezing hard enough. As well as the uncertainty caused by the war in Israel and Gaza, There's been a sharp rise in borrowing costs in recent weeks as bond yields have risen to levels not seen since before the financial crisis in 2007. It's arguable that bond yields are doing a lot of the heavy lifting on behalf of the Fed because they're slowing the economy without the need for further interest rate hikes. It's not wholly clear what the main driver of those higher bond yields is. On the one hand, it could simply reflect the greater than expected resilience of the U.S. economy to rising interest rates and the assumption that inflation will stay higher for longer, keeping interest rates elevated too. But it probably also reflects concerns about the U.S.'s fiscal deficits and the belief that the U.S. government will be forced to issue more bonds than planned. Persuading investors to buy those bonds could require higher yields to compensate them. How much further yields do or do not go will depend on when and if investors decide that the returns on offer now more than outweigh the risks. That already seems to be happening with investors, professionals and retail investors alike starting to buy bonds in anticipation that they can lock in a very attractive yield of around 5% while they wait for falling rates to deliver them a capital gain too. All in all, it looks like the Fed is close to or already at the peak It paused in June after 10 consecutive rate hikes before raising one more time in July. Then it paused again last time, and this week's meeting looks most likely to deliver no change again. Here in the UK, the bank faces an even tougher decision. Again, a pause looks likely when the latest rate is announced on Thursday, as the economy slows in the face of sharply higher mortgage costs and worries about a recession looming. But the job on inflation is clearly a work in progress, with the 2% target looking a long way off, as inflation has so far only fallen from the peak of over 11% to 6.7% in September. That's the highest level in the developed world, and around twice the unexpectedly low rate of just 3.5% announced this week in Spain, for example. What seems clear is that interest rates here will not be coming down anytime soon. The bank's chief economist, Hugh Pill, recently likened UK interest rate policy to Cape Town's Table Mountain, with a long, flat profile in the months ahead. Britain appears to have a unique problem of persistently high inflation and persistently sluggish growth, which the bank will update on this week. In August, it suggested that growth will be just 0.5% in both 2023 and 2024. In other markets, the oil price eased back below $90 a barrel this week on hopes that Israel's weekend ground offensive would not lead to a major escalation in the conflict. The oil price moved higher immediately after the Hamas attacks on Israel three weeks ago as investors weighed up concerns about the likely wider impact, in particular the potential involvement of Iran and a possible tightening of US sanctions on that country's oil production. Initial fears that the price of crude could rise above $100 a barrel again look to be wider the mark for now, but this is obviously a very fluid situation. This week, two of the world's biggest oil companies, BP and Shell, announced their quarterly results. These will cover a period that saw a big rise in the oil price from a low of around $70 a barrel since when production cuts by OPEC producers, even before the Israel-Gaza war, have pushed the price significantly higher. Another commodity in focus at the moment is gold. The yellow metal has proved remarkably resilient during the period of rising interest rates, which would normally act as a headwind for the gold price. Rising rates increase the opportunity cost of holding gold, which pays no income to investors. Usually, gold falls as interest rates rise. This time around, however, gold has been supported by its other major attraction to investors, its role as a safe haven During times of economic or geopolitical stress, it's also seen as a hedge against inflation. And in today's higher-for-longer inflation environment, gold is once again finding support, even at close to $2,000 an ounce. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment.